Digital transformation continues to accelerate, yet most companies still struggle to achieve success. What sets the leaders of successful companies apart? In this podcast, top business leaders share what their goals are, why they're successful, and how they drive effective digital initiatives for their companies and for their customers. Welcome to the Walk Me Podcast. This is Digital Adoption. Episode two, where technology and sustainability meet with our guest, Matthew Higgum, the CDO and sustainability lead at Microsoft, co-hosted by Ophir Block and me, Leah Siener. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining. Today, I am really excited to have an incredible guest, but I first want to intro my co-host for today's episode. I have Ophir Block, who is our Director of Strategy and Analyst Relations at WalkMe. Ophir, thank you so much for joining me. And today we are really excited to be speaking to Matthew, who is the Chief Digital Officer at Microsoft in the UK, and also, which is really, I'm really interested in, the Sustainability Lead for Microsoft Enterprise. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, Matthew. Absolute pleasure. Looking forward to it. So I want to first ask, with these two really interesting and... uh, dynamic roles, how you would overall describe your main goals as the CDO and also the sustainability lead, what that means and how would you describe what you're doing and what your goals are? I guess um, my primary role is to make sure that our customers leverage the absolute maximum amount of the technology that they are investing in. Um, for a differentiation in both their own markets, but also um, into the kind of environmental and social good element, which is why the two roles link to very nicely. Um, We really do believe in standing behind our mission, which is to empower everybody on the planet to achieve more. Um, But now we're trying to transition that into empowering the planet at the same time so that we have an equitable society in that state. So my role is to make sure that we uh, embody that within the UK. And, and also, I'm, I'm a little bit curious about, you know, maybe the differences, and we can get to that later on this call. Like, you know, I know that CDO was kind of the rising um, role uh, in the past, and it was kind of declining. You know, some analysts even said that it's going to disappear in a few years. But I think that now, especially at these times, especially with COVID and all the, you know, accelerated digital transformation initiatives that are happening, I think this role is increasingly becoming, you know, important. And it's it's uh, really interesting to hear your thoughts about that. Kind of what are the main differences maybe between just you know being in charge of infrastructure, security, and cyber versus maybe you know being really responsible for digital experiences or change or implementing you know new digital initiatives. So that's really kind of what what interests me. Yeah, I think the the CDO role, I mean, there's been a number of roles that popped up over the time and chief data officers and um, all those kind of different roles. The the CIO is still incredibly relevant um, as a role within the organization. I think the the digital side is more sits within the business. So it's the first role that's technology aligned, but sits within the business Um, and usually reports into either on the board, directly onto the board or into the COO. And it's that ownership and accountability of the digital agenda within the business, the leveraging of technology as opposed to the run of technology, um, keeping the lights on, maintaining the services, the core foundational services 
I think the business are becoming way more savvy, way more um, depth of knowledge, capability, recognition that the only way to transition an organization to be competitive in the market is through that digital agenda. Um, and the way that people want to interact with your organization, especially in a post-COVID world where we're in lockdown, obviously, certain varying different, and that's increasing and decreasing all over the world. The only way we can move at that pace um, and cope with the impact of what's going on is through that digital agenda. And that's the very nature of that role, why it's super important at the moment. I think, like all things within technology, we have words like cloud and digital. Um, they all become buzzwords at the same time, AI. Um, and they everybody latches onto them and there's the curve of kind of disillusionment that follows afterwards. I think you're right, the, the CDO role will probably slowly disappear over the next 10 years because more and more people within the organization will own the digital agenda as part of their normal traditional role. They'll be coupled with much more technology focused. Um, but it's the leveraging of that for the outcome as opposed to how do I run it and keep the lights on for the organization. And I think that really the person that is maybe you know, the, most, the, the best position to kind of care, if you will, about digital experiences is a CDO. Right. A CIO, maybe, you know, maybe they care about, a CIO might care about employee experience to some extent working with HR, but others, the other side of that, right, customer experiences, not all CIOs are involved necessarily with customer experience or, right, or, the, or the other way around. But I think a CDO is, is really uniquely positioned to kind of look at experiences from a holistic view, um, is that something that you uh, focus on or is that something that, that you care about? Completely. My, my entire being is focused on how our customers and their customers consume and leverage the technology for the, for the experience, for the, the type of style, the, the, the walkthrough of life, uh, how they start to capitalize and maximize upon technology in order to, to, to make that transition. Um, but at the same time, the bigger part for me is to make sure that they consume it in the right way that's for benefit. So we're democratizing. I think you touched on it a bit earlier about low code, kind of no code, democratizing those skills, both into our customers, but their customers as well. Um, we're moving beyond that requirement for PhD in data science through the technology. And that's our responsibility as tech organizations to generate technologies that can be easily consumed, can absolutely empower people to be able to do things in a much different way at pace um, but in a secure and sustainable way at the same time it's really fascinating to me and i remember actually when we spoke previously you talking about that full picture um holistic perspective on technology and digital transformation in general and i don't know if you're comfortable sharing something specific but i would love to hear Maybe an example of a specific industry or, you know, case um, in which you've been driving that concept, that digital implementation with sustainability in mind. If you can give us like some sort of example, because it's, it sounds amazing to me. And I would love to hear what that means on a practical level. Are you talking about like a manufacturing plant, like um, actually driving a more digitally aware way to manufacture like with new technology that that prevents a massive amount of waste or is this on like a knowledge worker level like for your customers in terms of how they're using their software like where does this actually you know where does the rubber meet the road 
Yeah, it's also it's difficult because there's so many examples. I think I could probably grab hold of. So I'll kind of pick on two or three that hopefully amplify that. I think yeah, there's everything from how we're leveraging data platforms in a more open ecosystem um, to help companies that manufacture products um, not just digitize a what we would class as a linear supply chain. If you think about the linear supply chain, um, it's very extraction orientated from its natural equity perspective. We extract things from the earth and the local environment. We include those as part of our manufacturing process, and then we obviously produce a product. Um, those products generally aren't designed for a long life cycle, uh, often end up in landfill and in waste, and throughout the manufacturing process, release waste either through gases or product waste that is then also going into landfill. And what we're not calculating is the natural equity that is removed from the earth. Um, there's no understanding of either a value of how we would return or, or replenish anything back into the earth. It's very much an extraction-based model. So what we're doing is we're developing technology, data technology, to be able to understand and digitize that entire supply chain and then allow not just the... Often people use that technology to disintermediate the supply chain to make the production lifecycle cheaper and slicker and easier. What we want to do is actually help them make decisions uh, um, in order to turn it into a circular economy. So much more reuse, regeneration, uh, work with their supply chain. But you only get that by understanding the transparency of that uh, data level and then using that as a way to measure and inform. Um, other areas we're working with is using similar technologies like AI. Um, so we've been working with an, an energy company who has onshore and offshore wind farms. Uh, and one of their areas is they have to go into consenting um, around when they're building these wind farms. So, so they need to be able to protect local birds and wildlife. Now, they used to send people out into the middle of nowhere, northern Scotland, where it's very cold and wet, um, trying to count birds. I don't know if you've ever tried to count birds. I imagine that's quite a difficult thing to do. Um, so what we've done is put cameras, remote cameras, on the coast of Scotland that counts puffins, uh, but also the little birds with the funny little beaks. Um, we were able to not only detect the number of birds, but we could actually identify each individual bird by the stripes on the on the things to give them a uh, an ID. We would then also be able to detect what they were coming back to the nest with in their mouths, or whether it was uh, beaks. Sorry, they didn't have mouths to the birds, um, so that we we could then understand and give back to the wildlife trusts understanding of their their feeding habits, what they were able to come back with, whether fish big or small. So we knew if there were uh, there was overfishing happening in the waters, we were able to provide a vast amount of information that they never ever had before about the ecosystem and how these birds lived and survived, and at the same time improve the consenting process and the safety of the local ecosystem when you're building a renewable energy resource, which we've never ever been able to do before. So that's the leveraging of that. We were also able to use the same cameras to safeguard lone workers out in these remote spaces because we could detect the lone worker, we could make sure they were they were upright, they were okay. So it's the same technology for multiple use cases in those scenarios. So it's pretty incredible about what we can achieve now. That's amazing. That's such a great example, especially right now. I think when the world is going through like this global crisis that's so uniting, like we're all going through this together in a way, even though our governments are all handling it differently. Um, but that's just such an amazing um, example of when something's good for one aspect, it's good for everyone. Like this is an initiative that's going to help the business 
It's going to help the ecosystem. It's going to protect their own workers. It's going to help them get through like a legal, you know, minefield of making sure that this wasn't a problem for them legally, but it actually makes it better for every party involved. I think that's just an amazing example. I assume that that is an ultimate sustainability lead success when you have a technology that is able to drive all of those things simultaneously. That's I must really admit, awesome. a lot of my colleagues were very worried about me when I kept talking about puffins for quite a long time. But uh, <laughs> they, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think the more and more use cases we're finding, I've not yet, we've not yet found a use case that doesn't help drive the economy at the same time as driving natural equity by the leverage of this technology. Um, and that's the, the point, is it we can still continue as humanity, but in far more empathy and understanding of our, our natural environment. Um, and the evidence is there. We're just not picking up on the evidence enough. And hopefully through this level of technology and data, we can point that out a lot more and make it more realistic. I think we also kind of got a wake-up call, you know, with this uh, global pandemic now. We, did, like, yeah. we, we, need, we need to figure this out. We need to coexist. We need to work with the planet, not against it in many ways, right? So this is a, a great example. And I think, you know, it sounds like it's also something, you know, scalable and repeatable. Like you can definitely copy to other industries and other use cases. So really amazing. So if you don't mind me asking, how did this come to be something important to you personally? Like as a, a company leader, as someone in this position of, of power at this point, why is this important to you? Because I imagine that someone who's a CDO and doesn't care much about sustainability or driving business in a way that's also ethically responsible might be able to uh, get a lot farther. You know, like what is this, this um, balance? Why is it important to you? How did it come to be important to you? Um, I've always been a believer in being accountable and responsible for what you put into the world. Um, and that's just a personal trait, I think, um, that luckily was probably inherited from a, a good upbringing, uh, and, but an understanding of my local environment as well when I was a child, so growing up in the woods and doing all sorts of crazy different things. Um, I think I've just been incredibly fortunate throughout my career. I've been hugely passionate about technology, but at the same time, hugely passionate about people. Um, I don't like seeing people being left behind. Um, I don't like... Uh, or enjoy in any way, shape, or form the inequality that sits in the world that really grates with me. Um, and being able to couple those two together um, for the benefit of those individuals is fantastic. Joining Microsoft three years ago, um, the reason I joined Microsoft was because of its ethical, moral standing under Satya. Um, and then obviously we started to, we um, Lucas uh, started driving the, heavily driving the sustainability agenda for us to be that market leading uh, entity. Um, and realizing that it's not just greenwashing, that we do really truly believe this. And I'm just incredibly lucky and um, honestly just it's super passionate about combining the two because being able to combine the two is quite unique. Uh, I don't think many people have got this. Uh, so I think to your point, fear when CDOs are popping up in organizations, chief sustainability officers are popping up in organizations now, which is phenomenal to have that role. Um, I just happen to be luckily enough to be able to dip into both of those types of roles and bring it together. Um, as long may that continue, probably until I burn out. But. 
What's really amazing to me is, you know, we, we kind of have this uh, company motto, right? It's uh, bridging the gap between humans and technology. Um, and, you know, as our co-founder and president said, technology shouldn't be the challenge, right? It should be the way you overcome challenges. So it's really amazing, you know, when we have these, uh, you know, companies that are really leveraging AI and data to do good and to improve the world and to really, you know, overcome a lot of the challenges. Um, so it's really exciting. Um, I, I'm just uh, curious about the data obviously have a, has a lot of, you know, ethical you know, questions around it and everything. And, uh, you know, how you manage it, how you store it, what you do with the data. Um, so what I know, I know it sounds like you're doing a lot of good, but, but what is, what is Microsoft's approach towards, you know, data and privacy and, and what you do with it moving forward? So I think we are, we are known as one of the most trusted tech organizations on the planet, which is fantastic. And we've been nominated in that way. And it's because of the way that we, well, I believe it's the way that we, we treat other people and treat their data. We, we would never try and become a market that we're not. Um, we don't leverage data in ways that um, we would find ethically and morally uh, incorrect. And when we are defining new levels of technology like AI, we are, creating a mechanism at every single stage for that to be transparent so data is um is one of those tough subjects but it's also what we're trying to do is through our open data campaign is open up data in a way in line with the open data institute um that can be leveraged and democratized for the benefit of individuals and i think as humanity we need to change our culture around data we've been very quick in um free with our kind of value of our own data and we've handed it over to all these large organizations um, and now it's about how do we what we're trying to do is create the fire extinguisher after we've created the fire um, what we're trying to do is trying to grapple some ownership and accountability to that i think with ai as well we need to change our culture there so it's about the representation of ai where it sits um, and the transparency through which we allow people to understand how data is manipulated through through ai models um, and we've written books around that i mean tools and weapons by brad smith um, but it's it's also how we bake it into every part of our technology so whenever we create an ai model that learns we demonstrate how it's learning we demonstrate how the data is manipulated through that model um, and we demonstrate transparency all the way through without necessarily opening up the intellectual property of the algorithm i guess um, but it gives people that that um, so it's not a black box technology and then democratizing that into the hands of people as well so now you can create ai models by literally drag and drop um, you don't need to be able to write code um, so to be able to have that openness and transparency into the technology around data. Um, data will always be a tough subject. Um, there's a lots of varying different regulatory controls around the world, but we believe we've got a pretty good handle on it and we work consistently with governments and agencies and uh, independents to try and open it up as much as possible so that people can benefit from it holistically as opposed to a small group of individuals that are just doing it for their own self-profit. Welcome to the hot seat. Now let's get a little more personal with the hot seat questions. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh God. Can I remember? A fireman, I think. A fireman. Yeah. Nice. You are kind of putting out fires now. <laughs> All sitting in my light. I'm not entirely sure. Heck. 
buying the flames or putting them out. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. What is the last app that you downloaded? Uh, I naturalist, which is a, it's an AI for nature and automatically detects it. So it's one of ours. Cool. So like you can like scan a leaf and find out what it is kind of thing. Yeah. And it's backed off by, um, uh, research, research academics as well. So it does research and uses that data for research to, to, um, make sure that we've got good nice. ecosystems. That's a very on-brand answer. So luckily, that's what you downloaded last. <laughs> okay. What is one piece of advice that you would give someone going into a leadership position for the very first time? Don't try and fix everything. Nice. I like Solid that. Advice. <laughs> Solid. Okay. What's the first software experience that you remember having? Windows 3.1. <laughs> Positive experience? Mm, it was Windows 3.1, so you can answer that one a long time ago. But yeah, long time. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, if you could automate one thing in your life, anything, not technological, what would it be? The ability to get asleep. <sighs> There's <laughs> sleeping apps for that. Yeah, there must be a lights out app or something. It's literally knocks you button. Yeah. That would be awesome. Uh, yeah. Turn my brain off. <sighs> totally. Okay, describe one professional regret that you have, and if you've thought about it and relived it again and again, what you would do differently. Um, no, I can't think. I think everything that I've done professionally has got me to or made me think in the way that I think now, so I don't really believe in regrets in that sense. Great, no regrets. Okay, if you could take a digital device or your pet with you for the weekend, which would you choose and why? And who's your pet? My dog every single time. Uh, she's a Collie Alsatian cross. So yeah, she's, yeah. Her every time I've reduced her as well. That's awesome. All right, that's it. You did it. You did very well. Thank you. Thank Those you. are awesome. Thanks. Wow, Matthew, I really wish you the best of luck on this journey. Um, it's very inspiring. And it's, uh, I think if this is the direction technology leaders and business leaders are heading in, then we're going in the right direction. I mean, the more sustainability and ethical and social awareness we can start to integrate into leadership, I think the better. So I think that's a really beautiful send off into this uh, upcoming year, which is full of uncertainty. <laughs> so I really wish you the best. Thank you. Yeah, we've got a lot of challenges ahead of us and we're only at the beginning of the journey. So let's hope we can all embody some of that big kid thanks for your time amen thank you so much have a great day take care bye, bye. want to hear from more top leaders all of season one is available now this is digital adoption